You're listening to the Wizard Factory Audio Podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. Welcome back, YouTube, to another episode of the Wizard Factory podcast. Tonight's episode, we will be beginning a three-part series on the introduction to the Elder Futhark version of the runes from Norse traditional spirituality. So I'll go ahead and let you, Brian, go ahead and, you know, sort of set the stage. Cool. Thank you very much. Well, first off, I think there's a few misconceptions about the runes that we need to address. Um, The first being, obviously, is that much of academia and even modern uh, neo-pagans and heathens believe that the runes are, one, just a form of writing, and that, two, that came from whenever, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, they all brought their influence up into the northern Germanic territories. There's quite a bit of evidence showing why that isn't true. And the first one I'd like to point out is right in the name, Elder Futhark. So Futhark refers to the first six runes. Uh, so Fehu, Uruj, Durizaj, Anzuj, Rido, and Kanaj. So no other alphabet in the world starts in that same order. And if you were to look at the Italian, uh, the Greek, all these, you know, it's all alpha, beta, you know, and then they continue on. So they all have the same order, whereas the Elder Futhark, totally different order. Uh, the Germanic people tend to be a very, you know, tend to be very practical people. So if they were adopting an alphabet, more than likely they would have kept that same order. There, there's really no need to rearrange it. So we can understand there that obviously these are something that came from a lot further back in history than obviously just when the Romans came there. It's also kind of built on this assumption that the Germanic tribes were just these barbarians that there's no way they could have come up with, you know, symbolism and things like that on their own without their Roman conquerors. So that's another kind of assumption that has been put out there in history to make our ancestors seem like they were just these dumb barbarians, which, you know, if you actually look at history and some of the things that they've done, you know, we can see that that's just utter bullshit. And secondly, this theory kind of comes from what has been accepted in academia as fact for a couple hundred years now, which is what is known as the Indo-European migration theory. And this is a theory based uh, that operates from the understanding that there was an Aryan civilization that developed somewhere along the Russian steppes, and that they then, around 7,000 years ago, started to leave the steppe and go down and invade Europe, uh, India, and all, all these other places, and that over uh, the period of a few hundred years to a few thousand years, that they actually impose that not only their language, but their religion, you know, their culture, all these other things. Well, this theory has been disproven through what is known as the, continu- uh, the Paleolithic continuity paradigm. And the difference between a theory and a paradigm is a theory is a hypothesis that someone puts out there, usually coming from a single theory, a uh, single field, sorry. Uh, a paradigm, on the other hand, is something that is an aggregation of knowledge 
coming from many different fields of study that are all working individually of each other, but their results are then confirming the same information. So the Paleolithic continuity paradigm goes to the effect that we obviously, mankind started in Africa and then migrated up. And around 50,000 years ago, the first Indo-Europeans coming out of Africa then settled in Europe and spread around. And the reason that their languages differ is because of ice ages that came in. So there was, you know, with the Swiss, the Swiss Alps and everything, that then separated the Germanic and the Celtic tribes. So that's why we can see a lot of similar roots in the language, in the linguistics, but they also have their own variations of that. And that's because that developed slowly over time. Whereas with the Indo-European migration theory, the assumption is that all that um, language and culture and religion then all came off of the Russian steppe. Now there was an Aryan culture. That's, that's definitely something to be seen. And they did invade, but they went East. The European indigenous people, they've been there for a very long time and their languages developed off of the language and the belief systems that they had originally brought out of Africa. So with the Proto-Indo-European language. So this is something, you know, it's a huge subject, so I encourage everybody to look into it, but that's a very quick, brief thing. So when we can take this into account, we can see that a lot of the, you can look through language and analyze it and see that a lot of the root seed sounds and everything, those are very similar throughout the cultures, but they also are very different than other linguistic uh, branches, you know, like, you know, they're different than uh, Sanskrit and, you know, things that uh, languages we see come from the Middle East and things like that. So they are definitely their own own branch of languages. And when we can see a lot of these seed sounds, we can trace them all the way back to and still even to this modern day in some of the African languages. And they have the same seed sound that still has the same meaning when you look across all the different cultures. So we can tell it's something that's very, very old. And one of the big misconceptions about runes, as I said before, is that they're only a system of writing. Where the runes are really phonetic, they are about sound. So this is something that we can trace back a long time because just because they may not have started actually carving images of the runes until later on, those seed sounds were still in use for tens of thousands of years. Right. And then another thing that I wanted to hit on here is the writings of Tacitus. You know, if you don't know who Tacitus is, he's a Roman historian. So being that he has written, you know, history is written by the victors, you do want to read his work with a grain of salt and keep in mind that he was a Roman trying to make these lands look like they were you know, good for conquest and things like this. But one of the things that Tacitus writes about is how the men of the tribe were constantly practicing in divination. And they would take the, uh, the bough off a, you know, a stick off of a fruit tree and they would carve graven, you know, they would carve symbols into them and then they would cast them and then divine based off of how those fell. And he never actually specifically calls them runes, but when you actually start looking at how to operate and work with the runes, we can really, you know, kind of see this is obviously what he was talking about. So, you know, the, these are, you know, things that, you know, if we look at them, you know, you've really got to study it in, in a broad picture and, and pull, pull a lot of this different information together. But when you start doing that, you can recognize that these are something very, 
very special and very unique to you know the Germanic tribes. So we can see when we start to look at all these different fields of study and looking deeper into these, we can notice that the accepted version of what academia has been telling us about the runes isn't correct, that there's something much deeper and much richer to them. And what a lot of people don't realize about the runes, and this is specifically why I also use the Elder Futhark, which is the older Futhark. There are also younger versions or newer versions of the rune known as the younger Futhark, but those were incorporated later. So this is why I operate with the Elder Futhark, because it's older. But when we can see how the Elder Futhark is designed, we can actually notice that it is set up as an initiation. So you can see that there are 24 runes, and each one of them is split up into three sets of eight. The first one, which we'll be talking about tonight, deals with the physical level. The second set of eight deals with the psychological and emotional level, and the third set deals with the spiritual level. So as you work your way through each room, and then through each level of them, you start becoming a true human being, an aware human being that is in touch with yourself and those around you. And by the time you get to the end of the Elder Futhark, you will then have mastered the, the essence of those runes and the lessons that they have to teach. So you can then be a functioning member of the tribe. So a bit long winded, but you know, quick little kind of preface onto why we use the Elder Futhark, you know, what are some of the false assumptions about it? And again, I encourage people to definitely go look into things like the Paleolithic continuity paradigm because it, it will radically shift your perspective on how European culture, European paganism came into development. Right. And uh, yes, I mean, you know, I appreciate that you, you're, you're going in depth here. Um, on this podcast, we really try to blend a balance of surface level, entry level stuff, but also stuff for people that are willing to go into that, you know, in the, the, the deeper waters there, so to speak. And, you know, historical uh, significance and, and context is extremely important in this, um, in this topic to fully understanding from a holistic perspective, you know, exactly what we're talking about here. But to sort of, re you know, reel it back into a more introductory note here, Essentially, you want to just think about what language is on its own, you know, forget about the runes or the language that we speak, you know, uh, if you go way back in time, there was no written languages, it, it did begin as sounds, like Brian mentioned earlier about those seed sounds, this is how our communication methods went from probably, you know, uh, body language, facial expressions, and, and hand gestures, and things like that, to making different sounds, and then associating me meanings with those, and then as that science continued to de develop further and further, it began, you know, forming into symbols that are associated with those sounds and their meanings altogether. So, like Brian said, the language that we use is partially based on the, the, the Latin and Greek, which is the alpha beta, you know, the alphabet. And, and there's a lot of continuity with the way that alphabet is structured. But this system that we're introducing here, the, the runes, is, is very different in, in that um, essentially it, it became an alphabet and a language after it, it started as a, a spiritual tapestry, essentially. So, Brian, as, as Brian mentioned, 
it, it it's broken up into eight sections that each each set of eight sort of corresponds to a different level of selfhood so uh in lots of occult traditions there's sort of the the higher self the lower self and then the synthesis of the two this is you know this is a the trinity essentially so you can look at uh mind body and spirit where uh much like the star of david the the mind is the intersection between the higher and lower realms and so first you manifest physically so you have to just as a as a baby you need to take care of your your basic needs you know you uh you've just got to make sure that your physical needs are being met and then think about the progression through life as you're developing and maturing the next stage is sort of more just learning how to master and control your emotions your thoughts all that that next layer there and then once you become a fully formed adult that's really when you begin to to really start contemplating your your place in the world you know things of uh, of a spiritual nature so you can see how this is a very linear uh reasonable sort of progression through so again um just think of it as in terms of the sounds and the the actual energetic uh, charge that they they hold as a force of creation so when you talk about language you talk how do you spell you know you, you create words through spelling and a spell by def definition is a, a spoken phrase that is influencing the very nature of reality it you know almost all of the the old religious or spiritual teachings of, of the, the creation process, reality was spoken into existence and, and everything is a form of vibration. Uh, and, and so being able to speak and create through language is, is actually one of our most divine abilities. So this is the, the runes are so much more than just these quaint little symbols with meanings or something I mean, it, it goes really really deep into the very fabric and and uh nature of the universe so i, I also want to mention that you know the the runes what they really are they are elemental forces of nature that have right. both power to create and destroy and we are introducing them intellectually here but i encourage people that you you have to take it beyond just thinking about it intellectually these are something that if you really want to understand their essence, you need to work with them personally and spend time and devotion and dedication getting to know each one of these runes. And, and that is the way you truly come to understand how powerful they really are. I just want to add that quick bit. No, that's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, this is not something to be taken lightly. Um, and <laughs> if, if you're interested, you know, again, like you, you, you said it perfectly, that we're, we're sort of introducing a, a logical, like intellectual, idea about what these are but you can go, go into each one and and research them on your own and then the, mo the more important thing is actually using them and if you're interested in learning how to do that as well again um, consider downloading our free initiation package where we actually have a section in there that's all about learning how to invoke and enchant the runes in a way that's going to 
allow you to work with them in a very realistic way rather than say an academic way right so again we're just trying to get these ideas across and and just show you what the meaning of each one is and again keep in mind as we're going through an order it is a system that begins at at the beginning and it goes through in a particular order because each one will build upon the last as you're moving through the steps of progression so uh, Brian, would you like to, to begin with the very first rune, Fehu? Sure. So this is a rune that, if, you know, those of you who are familiar with our work, we've, we've mentioned this rune more than a few times. And Fehu, its translation is to cattle, but it can also be looked at. That's where we get our word feet. So the Germanic people and during the Ice Age, cattle were what they really used uh, as their resource because not only could it provide clothing and food and milk and cheese, you know, and all these other resources you know you could use the bones of the really the whole part of the animal so instead of trading money and things you know like gold and silver they would trade cattle so depending on how many cattle you had that's how wealthy you were because if there was a very cold winter and you had a lot of cattle well your family was wealthy you had what you needed and the romans you know tacitus writes about this of how the germanic people didn't really have a use of money in the same sense the Romans did. They were just interested in cattle. If you gave them a, a silver or a golden goblet, they, they would look at it like, oh, yeah, it's shiny, and then they would put it up on the shelf and continue using their wood mug. So, I mean, they're very, you know, very practical. So mm-hmm. when we can look at this, we can see how important being able to have resources are that not only do you need to be able to, you know, feed yourself but clothe yourself and be able to build shelter and that that this include this is a room for all sorts of resources. Now in the modern day, it can especially reference to money because in our society, money is the medium of exchange that we use to get the resources that we need. So it can also be seen that way, but it's also being able to have resources of of anything. You know, for example, like you you know your car breaks down and you happen to have a neighbor that's a really great mechanic and they're willing to help you work on it. And read. That's a resource that you have. So, so these are the things that, that Fehu deals with. And in the physical reality field, you have to start by being able to bring in and manage resources or else you're not going to be able to make it long enough to learn those other rooms. Exactly. And you can kind of really just think of any sort of material resources as Fehu. So money in the modern day is just a means of getting more Fehu or different Fehu. So right. Uh, and I also found this this to be really interesting is that the reason that they used cattle as a medium of exchange is because it had universal value. If I have some random trinket, well, not everybody's going to want that. But the thing with that, you know, because it, it rep the, the cattle, the the aurochs represented such a centralized form of value of, of everything that you needed to survive in life in the material. Um, it was it had value to every single person so it was a sort of a monetary medium of exchange if you will i just mm-hmm. i just thought that was a really interesting of way of looking at that even though it was such a primitive thing the basic philosophy and principles of economics are are pretty much there because there there's a lot of natural law regarding economics and the way things work is just far as you know value uh, the exchange of energy and and things like that you know and with Fehu, we can also see that it's a rune associated with uh, the goddess Freya, who's a goddess of fertility, of you know material things, material pleasures, 
uh, joy, but also a lot of wisdom. So we can see the connection between like the Venus energy, the Freya energy, and being able to have those material things and enjoy things in life. But we can also look at it as a, a room that's very much connected with Mother Earth herself, because what Mother Earth is a provider, a nurturer, gives us those resources that we need. And, you know, even looking at it in our human species, you know, what's, what is the first thing a child has to have when it's brought into this world from the mother? It needs the milk. It needs that resource, that nourishment in order to be able to bring in energy and then continue and to grow. grow. So right. it, this is where it baby. starts. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Out. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the next one we're going to look at in, in order, obviously is mm-hmm. Urush. So mm-hmm. the word Uruj relates to the the ancient Alrocks, which was basically a northern European bison, which is now extinct. But as we mentioned in Fehu, this was that medium of exchange that, that they were using, you know, for Fehu. But what this represents is really strength. Um, and this, this can be strength of many forms, including sexual or just be, having that fierceness as a warrior, because the Alrocks was actually, I mean, just think of uh, the size of a, a modern day cow or like th- this thing was monstrous. What, what would you say about 10 uh, feet, six uh, feet no, tall? Usually about six foot at their, at their shoulder. So they're right. extremely massive, powerful creatures. And, and just as a quick little add in here, the Ulrox was actually around before cattle. So this mm. was something that, you know, uh, working with this theory, we can see that the Uruj rune was probably actually their first, but then Fehu eventually was then added in mm. as yes. we domesticated that wild Ulrox and then turned it into what in became cattle. cattle. Yeah, very good point there. So uh, again, so just imagine this six foot tall, just beast that is very fierce and strong. I mean, just think about a charging bull, you know, that Taurus energy in this, in the, um, uh, astrological, uh, astrological perspective is very much kind of in relation to that very, you know, strong and because it was needed for survival, this was a way for tribe members to cooperate because one person was not going to take this thing down. It took essentially all the warriors in the tribe and they were putting their life on the line because they, if they didn't, all the people would starve themselves, the women, the children and everything. So before they were this conquering, you know, nation based, uh, going out and Viking, um, this was what the, the warrior being a warrior was to them is is being a fierce hunter that was willing to be you know fearless and and do and go into battle for that for that need mm-hmm. um and uh as i mentioned this can also relate to sexual energy as well uh so it's it's sort of like this this driving it's very masculine very like kind of testosterone sort of energy that you could you mm-hmm. could consider in that so you could use this for bolstering your own you know, willpower and resolve and things like that. But you can also use it if you're wanting to strengthen your, uh, your sexual potency, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like anything if, you'd like to add? Yeah. Like if, if men work with this rune a lot, you know, you can sometimes notice that your sexual energy gets, you know, can get very pent up. So you want to don't overdo you know, it boys and girls. <laughs> like, you know, but you know, just like the, the, a bull, you know, when you think about this energy, not only is it very strong, but it's very grounded. You know, you mm. imagine a bull digging into charge, right. You know, 
we actually look at the Uruj rune. What, what does a bull do when it puts its horns down? It turns them down, and then it, what we have, we have the Uruj rune. So it's it's this bull with all this grounded, very strong, masculine energy, this intense energy charging forward. This is this is the essence of Uruj, and you need that strength in life in order to be able to move forward, to continue to push forward through whatever challenges may be there. Mm, yeah, you could look at this again from the ancient perspective. The first thing you need is that fehu to to begin growing as a as a as a person. But think about the infant mortality rate back then. What did you need to survive from from beyond that mother's milk? Is you got to be strong. Like strong. so, you're you're building that and, and building up your strength. That's the next. Again, remember this is all in progression. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. So would you like to introduce food? Sure. Yeah. So th- another rune that if you're familiar with our work, you'll have heard us talk about. And this mm. is one of my personal favorite runes to work with because of what, what it entitles and deals with. So the translation for Thurizaj is giant or thorn. So this is the rune associated with Thor. And even when you look at the Thurizaj rune, it looks like a stem with a thorn on it. So this is the rune that is all about boundaries you know, and sovereignty. So recognizing where you begin, where you end, what, you know, what is yours and what isn't. So you have to understand these boundaries and so many issues that we have play out in our life all come back down to boundaries issues. So this is a room that not only do I work with a lot myself, but, you know, for clients and students that work with me, probably one of the rooms that I really have them spend time on and and Mm -hmm. delve deeply into because it's so important. And I think an interesting thing to notice about looking at it from the thorn perspective is that a thorn will only hurt you if you are violating its boundaries and the amount of pain that you experience is goes back to how much pressure you are placing on that. So if you're going in and violating these boundaries in a really intense way, well, that thorns go to penetrate deeper. It's going to hurt more. So I think that's an excellent lesson we can observe from looking at nature. And and what a very beautiful metaphor in general for thinking about the rules of sovereignty and natural law in in that that cause and effect effect that's coming. But when you're the one violating, you can feel that pain and be like, you know, why are you doing this? But essentially, subconsciously, we don't even realize that we're doing it to ourselves because we're the Mm -hmm. ones that are out of line and, and violating. So... Really, I like to look at Thurizaj uh, as the the rune of sovereignty. Uh, sovereignty, basically. Of course, there are other aspects to sover- sovereignty, but this is kind of the the really big one, especially in the context of this world where mind control and sorcery are happening on a daily basis on a mass scale, which are all about trauma and how that disrupts your sense of self. And usually, people will. Uh, knee-jerk compensate by either extending their boundaries out too far and and encroaching on other people's boundaries or shrink it in to the point that you are a doormat and have absolutely no self-respect and you know we do talk about this this um, concept a lot as well so this is definitely one of the most important ones considering the energetic climate that we are moving through on a daily basis. It's just this one of the, you you need to be working on all the time to keep calibrated, keep yourself calibrated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I can't recommend people working with this rune enough. It it 
extremely powerful rune. And, and keep in mind that when you start working with the runes, they, they are they are energies of transformation. So when you start working with them, you're going to feel some transformation. You know, I've, I've seen this play out not only in my own experience, but in students' experience as well, that if they have situations or people in their life, I'll tell them to work with Durizaj. And all of a sudden, the people will just, you know, some people might just kind of randomly flip out on you and just, oh, I never want to talk to you again and leave. But then after they leave, you realize like kind of how toxic that person was and how much you didn't really need them around because they were violating your boundaries. So the, this will, you know, if you're experiencing things like this, work with this rune and you're going to start noticing things get shaken up and cleared up and it can be a very destructive process, but that destruction serves a purpose. Yes. You're clearing space of the, the old that's no longer serving so that you can bring in new, new things that will, that, that are conducive to forward evolution as well. And I also wanted to mention this, that, that I find really interesting so Thurizaj relates to the god of Thor, which in the Norse mythology was the god of, of thunder. And, you know, again, Thundar, Thunar. So I just find it interesting that uh, Thunar was the god of boundaries and of thunder and lightning. Well, if from a scientific perspective, it is the electromagnetic force in the quantum field that actually creates boundaries in the material world that keeps items and objects from going through each other. So I just find it incredibly profound that this so-called primitive race of people somehow knew that this boundary energy was associated with electricity and electromagnetism when they didn't even have the scientific means to actually discover that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. It goes to show you that, you know, the left brain understanding isn't the only way to understand things. You know, the pagan mindset is really about tapping into nature, observing nature and what's happening there. And then you can glean those lessons from that. You don't need correspondence. To get Absolutely. I'd say that's probably how they discovered that. Mm -hmm. And our next room that we have here uh, is Anzush. So this is the room. It kind of looks similar to an F except for the, the two little stops. They, they go at a downward angle. But this rune actually has quite a few translations or meanings to it. So it can translate to star, Mao, ancestors, uh, the gods. So what we can, when we start looking at these, we can start recognizing that it's, it, it deals with our speech, our ability to communicate. Hmm. It also deals with our ability to listen you know, because communication isn't just a one-way thing. It just for as much as you need to be able to communicate what you want, you need to be able to step back and also listen to what others are communicating. So listening to your ancestors, other members of the tribe. But it's through this divine power of speech that we can become like the gods themselves. We're reminded of our divine origin. So, you know, and speech and spelling, obviously, those those are obviously a divine gift, but they're also magic, you know, to, to spell, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, they're, you know, uh, spelling, obviously, you know, that's a form of magic. So being able to communicate an idea out there that you want that will actually have an effect on the reality field around you and, and how important learning proper mastery of this gift and this tool is. 
Right. Because again, as I was mentioning before, in so many of the creation stories, reality, matter, and you know, humanity, so to speak, were spoken into existence. So this is that creative force of speech and sound that's related to the gods. And so, <clears throat> again, if you're looking at this progression, first you have your, your basic material needs, then you're getting the strength to survive and, and move forward along day to day. Then you have your sense of self. You now know, okay, I have a body. I'm, I'm operating in this reality field, and that over there is not me, and this is me. And then you have Ansuge, where you can not only can you communicate your needs, which is now con connecting your consciousness to other people's, again, like you said, Brian, not only speaking, but then listening, and, and it's a two-way street. But then that's also your ability to communicate with the gods, with the ancestors, and begin actually, you know, gaining that wisdom there as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Would you like to introduce the next one? Absolutely. So this next one is Raido, which is this one here. It is essentially like an R, but just sort of uh, more pointy looking. And this, this can translate uh, multiple ways. So it can mean ride, as in to ride a horse, which has context in this. It can mean right in right morally or right correct as opposed to incorrect. So right and wrong in both of those uh, contexts. And then right, R-I-T-E, which is, you know, like where we get right and ritual, ritual there. Mm -hmm. So in the ride context, essentially it's about walking the right path. You're, you're riding your your orlog or your your particular sort of um the, the the way you're navigating through life you're you're riding your intuition you're riding your knowledge and uh by doing so you will be on the right path both morally and through natural law correct versus incorrect where you know uh, in proper action will take you off the path so you can kind of look at that and then and then what do we do ritual for to ensure that we are staying on the right path so all three of those very much connect very nicely together i think yeah uh, right you all <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. right you are sir <laughs> yeah. um yeah no it's definitely a very interesting room to look at and it, it very much steps into the next rune, as Logan was mentioning, how these all build off of each other and tie together. And the next rune is Kanaj. And this can mm -hmm. translate as torch or knowledge, which is really how I like to look at it. But it's knowledge with three connotations. The first is that you have the actual intellect and the intellectual knowledge, the left brain understanding of it. The second mm -hmm. is that you have the ability. And the third is that you have the right, the rido. So... Mm. For example, if you were wanting to like a gun, uh, yeah, operate a gun, exactly. You, you have the knowledge of how to operate that gun safely. You have the ability to do that. And then you also have the right to know how to use that tool in right action without violating other people, mm. violating their food their boundaries and, and all these different things. So, you know, as we can see, this is this wasn't just some alphabet stolen from the Latin and Greeks. This ha this is a system that has a purpose for initiating people into being true mm. human beings. Very, and very only deep. look only looking at it from oh, this was just something we wrote with. That's 
really to me a very disrespectful not really honoring our ancestors and the true wisdom they really possessed they mm-hmm. weren't just barbarians that had to steal all their ideas from these romans and people more advanced than them that's mm-hmm. totally not the case and that's how they're being portrayed because people they the ones in control of things do not want this knowledge to be discovered because mm-hmm. when we can start learning how to initiate people back into a tribe they will start to get that proper canage and that is not that's what they don't want you to fucking have mm-hmm. yeah and in that perspective of just a, a simple art you know language system or something like that it to me strikes me as a very western left brain sort of uh, uh, way of looking at it there. So I, I love this one of my favorites as well. I love that threefold <clears throat> meaning to it. Uh, I like to call it the Kenage et toi. There's three <laughs> layers to it. And um, I recently learned this from a friend that I thought was really interesting. So in law, when you're, when you're constituting a crime or, or the, the stipulations or, uh, met, you know, uh, spec- what's the word? not requirements, but um, qualifications, I guess, of, of a crime, there is the same threefold uh, aspect to it where do, do the, does the person have the ability to do the alleged crime? Do they have the mental uh, uh, sanity or n- knowledge of their actions in order to be culpable for that crime? And then was there uh, loss, harm, or damage which would constitute the measurement of the morality of the thing. So there you have the ability, the principle of mentalism, and then the actual right action or, you know, wrong action. And again, like I said in a previous episode, when you, when you do a wrong, you are committing a crime because once it's done, it's, it's moved from the realm of potential into the singularity and then cannot be undone. So you have committed to that act. Mm-hmm. So I just I just thought that Excellent. was an interesting thing that even the yeah. court system and the law I mean that's very much a realm of black magic all in and of itself is the word fuckery that goes on with Black's Law Dictionary and all the legalese terminology and stuff like that man that is a rabbit hole you could spend multiple lifetimes going down. To. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, very it's very interesting to notice that that is also reflected in the legal system. So, you know, looking at, you know, as we mentioned before, these are, these are elemental forces of nature. So I find it very interesting that they then picked up on that. And then what do they do? They twist and invert things, you know, to to put them out there. So then they're using that as a way of actually doing that. But at the same time, recognizing that this is, this is a universal truth and understanding that you can discover that knowledge isn't just this, singular thing that we actually need to look at it through this threefold context Mm -hmm. and so many people these days um particularly you know keyboard warriors and such are very much that just that left brain intellect form of knowledge but the other two are nowhere to be seen (laughs) so it's it's very important to be you know to be looking at that sort of a holographic perspective there if you will so Mm-hmm. So the next rune that we'd like to introduce here in, in order is Gebo, which is this one. It just basically looks like an X or like two sticks crossing each other. So you could look at it as two streams of energy from two different um, uh, participants that is going in a two, you know, a dual direction. And much that indicates... It, it represents energy exchange. Uh, gebo, you could see this is where we get the word give or gib. You know, gibbo, give, similar uh, sound there. Uh, and 
it's essentially this, it's a natural law. You know, it's not a hermetic principle, but this is one of those examples of how you can see the Germanic people had a very deep understanding of natural law and they weren't hermeticists or anything like that. So again, if truth is truth, there's so many different ways to arrive at that because it comes from nature and it, and only those who are observing and learning from nature are going to, to really get that wisdom. So and that's where pagans look. <laughs> mm-hmm. So again, on this timeline, you know, we started with Fehu where you're getting your basic need, but think about a, a baby. A baby doesn't really give a whole lot back. He's sort of relying on the love of his mother to be selfless herself and just give and give and give to this baby without really getting a whole lot back. I mean, of course, naturally, you know, she gets the joy of being a mother and I'm, I'm not diminishing that, but I'm just saying in terms of the material give and take, babies are pretty much just like resource sponges, you know, and, and it takes a while before they start being able to reciprocate more in that way. So you can just look at it like as you're moving through that progression and you're becoming more mature and actualized individual, you need to also learn to understand that 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 give and take has to be there or else you're going to short yourself or other people will start to resent you for being a mooch or something like that. Or you give too much, they just see you as somebody to be taken advantage of. And there's nothing spiritual or enlightened about that either. This is where Thurizaj comes in, and this is why Thurizaj comes before Gebo, because you must learn those boundaries as well in in both directions. Absolutely. And, you know, with Gebo, I think there's a couple, you know, things that are very interesting to look at. Um, And one being that we could very much relate Gebo to the law of correspondence. Mm-hmm. You know, that has, you know, what we have within will also be reflected without because, you know, we're, we're taking, you know, things in, we have this, but then we're also putting them back out there. So, you know, a room that, you know, the connection between those two is very interesting to observe. Um, but I think it's also, you know, interesting that even with, you know, like the example of the child, you know, at first, as they go through their life, you know, there may came, come a point where they need to actually then take care of their parents because their parents become elderly and things. Mm. So this, you know, this is a, a, a give back and forth that can play out in, in many different ways. But when we see that there needs to be equal energy exchange in nature, and we've talked about this before, what kind of relationship does that constitute? It's a symbiotic relationship. Mm. When you have a relationship where only one is giving and the other one is only taking, that's a parasitic relationship. And it, it's, unhealthy and out of alignment with natural law. So moving on to the next rune after we see here, you'll see why understanding to being able to have that symbiotic relationship is absolutely essential before you can then move on to the next rune, which is wound Joe and start to master that. Right. And, and just as one, one, one quick little thing I wanted to add to Gabo too, is this to me, this is striking me as a great example of how, when we talk about natural law, especially when you say natural instead of cosmic or something like that, people always just think of uh, observing animals. And it, in a way, there are aspects where that is both a, a truth and a, a falsehood. It depends. So what we're saying here is that if you're observing nature, symbiotic symbiosis is in effect, and also some beings are parasitic. And both are in play, and, and by observing this as being a more conscious a person with more higher 
uh, cognitive abilities, you're able to for recognize those patterns and say, oh, look, this is in harmony with the ecosystem. And it's, it's a give and take versus this, like a leech or a tick or some other type of parasite, that, that being doesn't contribute anything. So that would, you know, just, I just wanted to point out there that by observing nature, we can, there's the, there's the positive and the apophatic aspect of natural law. You can observe these different creatures and say, this over here is good for them and everyone else. This thing over here, I don't want to be like that because they're, they're only looking out for themselves at the detriment of their environment. Mm -hmm. Right. And then moving into the the, la the eighth rune of the Elder Elder Futhark here, so the last rune of the first eight, we have the rune Wunjo, and this translates to joy. But it's a it's joy that comes from being with your family and your friends, being a member of the tribe. So having that tribal connection, that human beings are seeking, because you know uh, we are social creatures, and uh, you know I think a lot of people maybe even in the the freedom or the anarchy community get very, you know, they, as we talked about in our black and white episode, they might swing all the way towards, you know, being only individualistic. But really when we look at our, our nature and what we need, we all need someone else. Like if you were a, a child born and you didn't have someone to take care of you, you wouldn't have made it. So we are social creatures and there is a great joy to be had in having that kind of authentic connection. But to be able to do that, you need to be able to, understand the equal exchange of both give and take you need to be able to understand proper knowledge and to be able to have communication and boundaries and strengthen all these other previous rooms that we talked about all of those need to be mastered in order for you to really fully step into that place of joy of being a functional member of the tribe right and and um you could also sort of relate this to fun as well if you're pronouncing Wunjo like uh, with the, the Germanic accent, Wunjo, you know, Fun. Uh, because again, it's, it's reminding you of that aspect of, of existence that, again, we kind of talked about in our previous episode about doom and gloom. How if you're focusing too much on a certain thing and you're not, wor you're not looking at what you can do to cultivate abundance in your own life, regardless of the, the world situation or whatever like that, then you're not only cutting yourself off from these, the material abundance of the first eight runes, but the wound Joe that you earn at the end of that road where you've made it, you've mastered all these first eight, and now you get to enjoy be, being a, a person in society, be, you know, interacting with your friends and family and just enjoying this experience. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that, you know, to, you know, kind of speak on, you know, from, from my experience here, I noticed before I found my ancestral tradition, I was kind of stuck in some of those conspiracy circles and that, that really kind of the early stages of awakening. A lot of the times people, and we talked about this in our last episode, doom and gloom, people can get trapped to where without when they're, they rob themselves of this, of this joy of actually being a functioning member of a tribe of a family, like they'll, you know, become so angry or so dogmatic that they actually push their friends and family away. And then that robs them of that wound, Joe, of that joy of really being a functional member. So I think that this is such a great room to work with as a way of, 
even recognizing that even if your family member or your friend doesn't agree with you or see exactly where you are, there's still so much joy to be had mm. beyond that. You know, you don't have to, you know, get out of that left brain intellect and get based, you know, more into the heart based intelligence and recognizing mm. that you don't have to agree with someone 100%, you know, in order to be a functional member of the tribe or, or things like that. You just need to be able to enjoy those those social connections and be a member, you know, just be a functional member of something else that's larger than yourself. Mm, right on. Yeah. This actually hit me right here. So, um, as I was introducing in the beginning of this video, the, the three selves, the three layers of the selves, uh, in the Norse tradition was known as Odin, Vili, and Ve. So Odin is the, the higher self, Vili is the lower or the lower self. And, you know, again, think about the, the, the chakras. You have the top three, the bottom three, and then Ve would be the heart center where, again, the, the higher and the lower conjoin and, and sort of converge there. So in this first eight, these would be the runes that, can, that, that relate to the, the Vili. So, um, again, if you want to look at, like, Vili sounds like belly, you know, the, the lower three chakras are to do with, you know, groundedness, uh, material things, you know, sexuality, all those sort of things. And then when you have that wunjo, what do you do? You belly laugh, you vili laugh. Mm -hmm. That's that wunjo of just like complete, like kind of being filled with that joy and that bliss. And usually you do that when you're with friends and family that you, mm -hmm. you get each other and you're all just vibing and, you know, that's just something that hit, hit me is the, the villi belly connection and then that belly laugh being the wunjo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that, you know, that's a, you know, just a brief, you know, like I said, we wanted to do just a brief introduction into the room since there's something that we mention and talk about in a lot of our mm -hmm. videos. So that way this gives you a place to start and a jumping off point to continue to research as we always encourage people to do. So if you did enjoy this, make sure, you know, uh, take a second to like, comment, uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you'll get to see when we put out uh, new videos every week. And if you felt compelled like this was useful information, you know, please give it a share as well. Mm, right on. And so this is going to conclude the first of this three-part series. In the next two episodes, in the consecutive weeks, we'll be looking at the second and third sets, which correspond to the, the mental and, and psychological aspect and then the, the spiritual aspect. And then we may, we'll most likely end up doing other videos in the future, uh, breaking down some, you know, aspects of looking at runes as combinations of different runes and just kind of trying to get, you know, even deeper in the layers and in the perspectives of, of all that. But again, this was just intended to just basically introduce these runes. And so hopefully will interest you to continue looking on and looking into these things on your own. Again, I highly recommend checking out that the was the wizard factory initiation package. It's totally free. And, and we have some content in there that's dealing with actually working with these runes in a practical and, and useful way. Also, if you're interested in going more in depth on a personal level, we offer nine worlds rune readings as well, where not only are we, we can look at a certain aspect or situation of, of your life that you have going on, but then subscribe, uh, sorry, prescribe a, a specific and personally tailored 
ritual that you can then use these runes and work with that energy and try to again calibrate and sort of balance out those those aspects because it, it really all does come back to balance in this you know in this the balancing act and spinning plates through life essentially so yeah i think i think that's going to wrap us up this evening we hope you enjoyed the content and we will see you next week for another episode but of course until then be empowered be inspired and be encouraged thank you for listening to the wizard factory podcast we hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves Thank you.